0: Can you lose your salvation? Well, we'll answer that question from God's Word, here today on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Make it a point to join us. (music) To be sure, it is a challenge. It's been a question that the church has grappled with for centuries. But really, at the end of the day, Scripture is quite clear on the issue. Can a true believer ever be lost? Can you lose your salvation? Well, that's the subject of our time today as we continue our survey of Romans. Please join us. From Valley Bible Church in Hercules, let's catch up with our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard, here in Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and forward.
1: I don't know how much stronger he can make it, but that you're in the divine clasp. Of the son and the father. And nobody can snatch you out. I don't know how you could say it any plainer. That is so strong. But I know how to get out. We all know how to get out. That's why the grip's got to be stronger than us. Have you ever had kids say, I am going to run away from home? And dad said, go ahead. And they're back within about six hours. Because they get hungry. no. Now, now I want you to imagine a shepherd, by the way. You're taking care of sheep, and you're the door. And the door in this John 10 is the shepherd was the door. They would use the openings of caves, and they didn't have range out there with barbed wire. They just, they'd just they get up against a maybe a, a mountain or whatever they had, rocks in that area, and they would get the sheep up against, if it was a cave or into an uh, enclave there, And the shepherd himself was the door. He would lay down to keep the sheep here so that the sheep had to jump over him to get out. And the wolf or the enemy had to jump over him to get in. I am the door. I lay down my life for the sheep. Now, imagine, just yourself, you bought these sheep at market. You've been shepherding these sheep. And all of a sudden, you there in the night are laying down and one of your young lambs decides they want out. And you can see them getting up speed to jump over you. They're small and they jump. Now, what do you do? Say, well, exercise your free will. No, no, uh-uh. this is my sheep. Where are you going? Get over there. You're my sheep. You're my property. I bought you. You're mine. Christ loves you more than you love yourself. Christ loves you more than anyone. And he's got you purchased with his own blood. And he's not, even when you get in those weak moments, I want out. Oh, you, you know, that's not what you need. I'm going to get you through. I've got you in the grip of omnipotence. Now, I want to ask you a question. Think it through because those who teach this teaching, and I was a part of the group, we used to always accuse them, this will produce license to sin. Let me ask you this. Now, Now, be honest with yourself. When you know that you're in the grip of God and he's going to keep you forever, how many of you would like to go out and get drunk today? Go. Okay, I see that. No, no. I mean, don't you just want to go out and sin knowing if God's keeping me, he's keeping me so I can live as I please. Totally different. Assurance does not produce boldness to want to sin. It melts your heart of how much you would have done had his grip not been on your life. That's the issue. Well, the purpose of God, I want to rush along. I think he says it's so good in Romans. God purposed to foreknow you before time, predestined your life in the direction of it before time, chose you in Christ Jesus before the foundation of the world, Ephesians 1, 4. Over and over he says these verses. He began with you in eternity past. Now think of this, God's way back here and he's thinking, I don't want to be stuck with them, but they're just likely to up and believe in me. And if they do, I'm stuck with them. Or does the picture sound like God knew about you, was acquainted with you even before you were woven in your mother's womb? Psalms 139 says and that he back here before he laid the foundations of the earth he was thinking about you about the cross revelation 138 Christ was slain before the foundation of the world nobody sinned yet and God's got a purpose, and he knows man's going to sin. He know, he's not caught off guard. He built him with free will. He built him with autonomy, and he used it against God. And God knew he'd have to rescue stubborn, free-choosing man. He knew that. But he says, "Of my own, I've been knowing them from before time. So now let us think this through. In God's purpose, do you think the one who knew everything about you way back here is going to come down here in time and you're going to do something? And he says, ooh, I didn't know you'd do that. I'm sorry. We'll have to cancel. Ooh, you caught me off guard there. I just didn't. Oh, and by the way, Jesus didn't pay for that one. He just didn't. So I have to kick you out of the family. And you think it through, it's horrendous. Let's think of, third thing about God, his power. Does God have the power to keep what he saves? Look at 1 Peter. I got to take you all over the Bible because this is a systematic theology class. And you need to break in your Bible, don't you? Look at 1 Peter 1.5. I love the guy who wrote this. He knew something about falling. He knew something about horrendous failure. But God, by the Spirit, guided him. And he says, beginning verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, Kept in heaven for you. So, I've got an inheritance that is being kept. The issue is, can the person the inheritance has been set aside for be kept? Me, you. Now watch. Who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time? You who are being kept By the power of God through faith. God's power is manifested in actually getting you to heaven. He's committed his own strength. I love what he said in Isaiah. My fingers made the stars. And he calls the heavens his handiwork. But he said, my own arm I made bare when I wanted to save you, Israel. I bared my arm. I mean, I want to get down in the mud. I'm going to get down. I'm going to show my omnipotent strength, making stars and galaxies, finger playing for God. But when it comes to saving a people, he says, it brings the very arm of God. His power is manifested to the weakest of us. That's why we land in heaven. That's why we could tell a sinner, no matter what their hangups have been, what their past has been, come to Christ. He will set you free. Now, he'll eventually maybe lose you, but for the meantime, he'll set you free. Or can we say, come to him, and you'll have eternal life. Come to him. You will be adopted in a family where the dad will never abandon you, where dad will never disown you. You're coming into a family that's a permanent, eternal relationship. Come. We offer eternal life, eternal life, not probationary life, not temporary life, but eternal life guaranteed by God himself. That's what you got when you receive Christ. So God's power is displayed. Let's just uh, look at another one. I know these verses are a little boring to you. Look at uh, Philippians 1.6. This was McGee's life's verse. I've got it in one of my Bibles that he signed. Uh, 1 6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you may cease to do it in the future. He who began a good work in you will what? Until when? Completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Will he completely save you? Can he keep you? He who began it. Now, that's the issue. Who began the work? If it's God's work in you. Now, if you just got a religious itch and you just belong to some denomination and you're going through the religious routine and you belong to some religious franchise, that's one thing. But if you've been born of the Spirit of God, if you're really God's child and the Spirit has drawn you to Christ and the Father has given you to Christ, if you really know God in the forgiveness of your sins and the joy of the Spirit of God, let me tell you, this God said, I will complete what I've begun in you. You can count on it. You can count on it. Great, great promise of his power. Well, let's talk a little bit about the Son. What has the Son done and what is the Son doing regarding your salvation? Well, I would just focus on two things. Number one, Jesus Christ died for our sins. And he uses in Romans 8, when you're being accused by the accuser, who shall condemn you, who shall bring any charge against you and succeed, Why can't they succeed? Because you didn't do it? No, I did do it. I don't have to plead my innocence. I plead the payment. I plead the payment for the sin. Christ is God's propitiation lamb, the one who satisfied God's righteous anger against me. And so Christ, it is Christ who died, Christ who's raised, Christ who's at the right hand of God interceding. You must think it through. If you can do a sin greater than Christ can forgive, your sins are greater than Christ. You don't know what I've done, I've been the worst person in town. Paul said he already had that position. He was the chief of sinners. That place is already taken. The worst has already been saved, according to Paul. Me, I'm the chiefest of sinners. But the death of Christ, oh, how we underestimate how he satisfied the father regarding the sin of the believer. And this is a common mistake we make. I did it, I think, for years, just out of ignorance. And that is, I never thought his death covered what I might do tomorrow. I knew it covered my past, but I didn't know it would guarantee my future. Do you understand me? That, yeah, I received Christ. All my sins are forgiven. I think you all believe that, don't you? If you're gospel people, if you're not. You need the gospel. You need to hear the gospel. So I believe that, but what I was never taught, and it's why when I backslid I would just drop out of church. For I backslid after I was first saved for about seven months I couldn't give up rock and roll. Isn't that terrible? I couldn't give up dances. I couldn't give you can't imagine me being that cool, but at one time I loved that stuff. <laughs> I got a fender guitar that I got to learn to play rock and roll like Buddy Holly and all the Carl Perkins you don't even know' them. you're not in touch. These were the fifties when you could understand music and uh, uh so that you know we, we are people you couldn't go to dances you couldn't so I, so I just backslid over that, and one thing, I never knew I could come back i, I didn't uh I thought. How do I ever get back? I guess I got to go to the altar again. I got to get saved again, because no one ever showed me that for the sinning believer, I must simply confess that I sin. First John one nine. Uh, I must respond to the grieving of the spirit and admit my sin. And notice this: when you sin, hear me well. When you sin, don't you don't need grace. You need God to be righteous towards you. And 1 John 1, 9 goes like this. Hear me well. Here. If we confess our sins. Now, what what that means, hameligale. I say, I call my sin what God does. I got to name it. You try that. It's painful. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and And the word just is righteous. Latin is just. Greek is righteous. He is faithful and righteous. Wait. To forgive us. What do you mean you're faithful and righteous? What's that got to do with it? I am righteous to forgive the sin you committed today because I righteously had it dealt with in the death of my son. And I don't have to re-crucify Christ. And I don't have to put you through penance because you can claim the benefits of the cross and they extend to the whole Christian life and everything you'll ever do for the rest of your life. When you confess it, God forgives you because he's righteous, not because he's merciful. Now, he is merciful, but he says in 1 John, I do it because I'm faithful and I'm righteous. I've righteously dealt with your sin. There's no sin that God has not dealt with in the life of the... He's already figured out the last sin you're going to do. And he pushed it all the way back to the cross. They're all covered. Now, wait. Watch your thing. Do you mean I got a hundred out there? I still do? (laughs) See, that's what people... Oh, you're saying... You're setting up... uh, Absurd. Absurd. To want to sin against this God is to not know him. And when the believer sins, he shouts out in his heart, before you and you only have I sinned. Well, all you did was adultery. All you did was steal. All you did was that. But not when you're a believer. All sin as a believer is against God directly. You feel it. For secret sin down here is open scandal up there. There are no secret sins for the believer. They're all public in heaven. God knows exactly what you're doing in the closet. No secret life for the believer. No closet life. No internet life. One life. And God being present in every circumstance, every situation. So that. We are not saved to sin. We've been saved to be set free from it. But the payment of Christ is what guarantees that it will not be sin that ever separates me from God. It's been taken care of. And then something that is astounding, and he mentions it in Romans, he's up there interceding for us. And that is the continued prayer ministry of Christ for his own. That Christ is interceding for you there. The Holy Spirit is interceding for you down here. Romans 8, 26, 27. He's making intercessions in us for our struggles. And the son is up there pleading the benefits of his cross work to the father. I'm sure his prayer ministry. You see, when the high priest came out, He prayed for the people he offered the atonement for. The 12 tribes of Israel wore the breastplate, had the stones there. I represented them at the altar. Now I'm going to intercede for them at the throne. And you don't realize it, but God the Son, he already sees the meditations of your heart. He even knows when you're planning the sin and he's praying to the Father for you. He said it to Peter, Peter, Satan has requested to sift you as wheat, but I'm going to pray for you, and when you've been turned around from your fall, I want you to come back and strengthen the brethren, and he did. He fell miserably, but he was turned around, and he met the Savior in John 21, and three times Christ asked him, I want to know, Peter, before I go back to heaven permanently, do you love me? I've been praying for you. I want to ask a question. Do you love me? Peter obviously passed the test because Jesus picked him to preach the first sermon of the church era in Acts 2. It was Peter who got to preach the great failure, the great sinner. You see, God's not through with you no matter how much sin you've done. God's not through with you no matter where you've been. The atonement has covered it. And Christ is praying. And guess what? He's not only there as an intercessor, he's there as an advocate. And the word is beautiful. One called alongside of to give us aid. He's advocating for you in the midst of your sin. I write these things to your little children that you not even sin once. But when you do sin, when you're sinning in the middle of it, not after, not before, in the middle of your sin, in the middle of that atrocious rebellion, I will be advocating to the Father, please be satisfied with my death for this rebellious child of mine. Don't cancel birth certificates, forgive them for my sake. That's why you stay saved, not that you don't sin. Not that you don't have times of lapses and rebellion. It's the prayer ministry of Christ. We'll pick up next week in the work of the Spirit. And I'm going to try to look at what he does in regeneration. That Does he really change anything inside? The biggest problem in the professing church today is it's full of professors. And sometimes we don't know who the possessors are. Versus the professors. Because Jesus said, some seed sprouts up quickly. And with joy, receives the word of God. And we say, they're saved. They're born again. But he said, when trials come, they wilt. Not, not saved. Only one of the soils in Mark 4 really knew God. The one who bore fruit. Bore fruit. So there's all kinds of religious profession. You know what? In this church... I meet so many of you, a lot of times I'm asking, I wonder if they're saved. I wonder if they really know God. And the Bible said, examine your heart and see if you're in the faith. Are you really a Christian? Are you just a Sunday morning attender? And you've never put faith in Christ and taken him as your Savior. You've never had your life transformed. You've never had his spirit come in and begin a new work. I pray, don't go to church and then go to hell. Hear the gospel. Believe it to the saving of your soul. Let Christ come in. He is the pearl of great price. He's the great joy. If you hang out this church long enough, you're going to say, how in the world could God love that bunch of people? They got so many faults, so many hang-ups. So many cooties, so many things, you know. And and if you want to examine this close enough, you're going to find out only the love of God could ever get us in. And only the death of Christ could ever cover everything wrong with us. But we're going to be in heaven, not because we're good people, but because we put our faith in Christ. He's covered for us.
0: That we might find ourselves growing in God's grace. This is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. In closing out our time together today, we would leave you with our address, phone number, and our web address. We always enjoy it when folks reach out to us and let us know how the program is encouraging them in Christ. You can reach us at truthfortodayradio.org. Again, truthfortodayradio.org. Or... Call us, 855-833-9864. And you're always welcome to write to us. Letters mean a great deal. 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. By the way, if you have a question for Pastor Phil, from time to time, we do get him into studio to answer these questions. We'd love to hear from you. tftquestions at valleybible.org is the email address. In fact, if you're using your smartphone, the Voice Memo app, record your question, your name and where you're calling from, and then send that recording to tftquestions at valleybible.org. One other note, as we close out our time together today, we are very mindful of the fact that due to the pandemic situations, we are learning more and more online and on the radio. But at the same time, those same ministries tend to be challenged financially because of the situation we find ourselves in. So would you please remember that as you reach out to us here at Truth For Today? We are dependent upon listeners just like you. To continue the radio ministry, whether it's a large gift, a small gift, a one-time gift, a monthly gift, it all makes a big difference as we continue ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ here on this radio station. You can donate securely online at truthfortodayradio.org or by calling 855-833-9864. We do thank you. For your involvement with this ministry and your partnership it means the world to us. Whether it's financial or more importantly prayerfully, it does mean a great deal. Well, we are out of time. We'll look forward to seeing you next time we get together. For another broadcast of Truth for Today with Pastor Phil Howard.
1: Blessed be the-